0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: And now, live on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app, it's Rami McLaughlin, host of The Rami Show on 1250 The Fan in Milwaukee on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. I guess you Very cool
2: to hear big voice guys say my name. I am Rami Makhlouf with you for the next couple of hours making the trip down from Milwaukee where I do host the afternoon show up there on our st- sister station six se- our sister station 1250 AM The Fan. Wow, it took me 30 seconds. To make my first error, but that's all right. Nobody's going to notice because everybody's too upset about what Tony LaRusso did. We'll talk about that in just one second. Adam Studzinski is here. I know he's ready to lose his damn mind over Tony La Russa, And you can lose your damn mind at 312-644-6767. Give me a call or get in on the Rosen Hyundai text line. Also, we'll talk some bears with Cam Ellis. He covers the bears for 670 to score and 670 to score.com. He'll be here at 740. And we'll see if Vinny Duber, White Sox beat writer for uh, CHGO Sports. If he knows what the hell Tony La Russa was thinking today when, man, I was... And Adam, I I know you're one of the biggest Sox fans I know. And when stuff like this happens, I think about like you and Shane Reardon and a couple of my buddies from high school who I'm still tight with who are all Sox fans, and I'm just like, God, dude, you cannot be – like I don't know if you have hair left in your head after what you saw today. I'm sitting here. I'm doing show prep. Yeah, I prep. I know it doesn't sound like it often, but I prep. All right. And I'm, I'm, I just read, and I'm doing research. And I got the White Sox game on, just in the, it's it's in the, back I'm paying attention, but it's in the background. I'm, I'm, I don't even remember what I was reading, but I was just reading something on the old laptop. And then all of a sudden, I hear something happen in this game. And I, like, it, it was one of those moments where you're like, wait, what? And you have to pick up, thank God for modern technology. I picked up the remote and I rewound just to make sure that I saw and heard what I just saw and heard. And Jason Benetti and Steve Stone, who were there live doing the play-by-play for NBC Sports Chicago, they, they sounded like they wished they had a rewind button on real life to go back and make sure that what they saw and heard was actually what they saw and heard. This is what transpired earlier today between the White Sox and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, wait a second. They're going to intentionally walk him.
0: On one and two?
1: Yep. Can you explain that to me? I would think you don't want Turner to do any more damage and you want to take advantage of the lefty-lefty.
0: Typically, at two strikes, the league batting average is quite low. Oh, yeah. It is that. When was the last time you saw somebody
1: intentionally walked on one and two? Doesn't happen often. Okay, we're going to pause this here, Rami, <laughs> and I want to, first of all, that the Two Strikes Tony thing is hilarious, but, That's great. <laughs> but the best part of this clip is not anything we've heard so far. It is the next 30 seconds in which you will hear nothing from Jason and Stoney. It is outstanding. Sometimes anybody... Max? Sorry, so go, ahead, go ahead. No,
2: sometimes anybody who has a girlfriend or a wife knows this. Sometimes silence speaks volumes. And this 35 seconds does just that. Go ahead.
1: Max had a big double last inning. That put the Dodgers on top. I apologize. Here is the silence. Love to hear what they were saying because they clearly they have themselves muted. That has to be what's going on.
2: For sure, either that, either that, or this was so such a dumbfounding move that you left two of the best in the business, in Jason Bonetti and Steve Stone, absolutely speechless. Which I would believe because what do you say about that, man? What do you say about that? And do you have do you have the Dodgers call too, Adam? Do you have the Dodgers call? Of Tony Larusa walking Trey Turner with two strikes, I can't even believe those words are coming out of my mouth. I can't, I can't believe. I have never even the thought would never cross my mind for, for 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 to walk somebody with two strikes intentionally. Do we do we have that? Can we hear that real quick?
1: Oh yeah, we got it. Okay. They're gonna put Turner on intentionally here with a one and two count.
3: He left you for Suzuki. Even freaking say. Wow,
4: oh bitch. What did they say? Did it hit? Maybe they did.
2: That's an intentional one.
4: Yeah.
2: (laughs) What are you doing? Spectrum Sportsnet LA. On the call, that guy at the end (laughs) is every White Sox fan watching the game today. Just Tony, what are you doing? What was he doing, dude? I can't I you know, no matter I don't okay, I'll be I'll be totally upfront and transparent with you. I don't like Tony Larusa. All right, I never have and I never will. But that I can put that aside and and even if I disagree with a move by a guy I don't like, I'll go, "Okay, I disagree but I can see why he did it. He did it because of X, Y, and Z. I'll always try and take that approach. I can't. I can't. I got nothing. I got nothing as far as as far as a, a counter to 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 to. I got not for. It's. I'm. I'm so baffled. I'm so dumbfounded. I'm. I don't know almost what to say, which is not good for a sports talk radio host. And you know what? exactly exact that's all i really need to say and then after the game because of course because of course cuz he's that rare and and got infuriating conversation of 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 bad and defiant and 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 confident in how bad he is and and the terrible call that he made tony La Russa, you won't be any more satisfied or, or any more understanding of the move today after you hear this explanation for why he walked Trey Turner with two strikes just to watch Max Muncy hit a three-run homer. This was Tony La Russa after the game today.
0: Uh, uh, this inning, uh, you know, with the, the play in the field, but then, Dylan, what, what went into your thought process in and, and leaving him in to, to try and finish off that inning?
4: I don't know. Maybe him striking out bets had something to do with it. I mean, it's... What, you, he strikes out bets, I'm going to take him out of the game? Come on, man. But his kind of
1: did get
4: up high in the inning. I mean, yeah, they know. did. And, uh, but it's also his runs at his inning. And, uh, I mean, I, you know, there's some tough calls. That wasn't a tough call. I mean, you can't strike out bets there and think, boy, we got a better option in the bullpen. I mean, if you do then we disagree. Can you explain the, uh, the thought process on the intention of walk with... Um, with t- t- Turner? Turner. At 1-2. on the count. So let me ask you a question. Okay. Is there is there some question about whether that was a, a good move or not?
2: At what I guess at 1-2 is the question. At the Do
4: you know one. what he hits against left-hand pitching? With one oh, one or two strikes? Do you know what he hits? He does it well... Against you know what Muncy hits with two strikes with against a left-hand pitcher? Uh, I mean, is that really a question? Yeah. Because it was one and two? Turner was a, a strike left against a left-hander is not something you can avoid if you can. And we had an open base, and Muncy happened to be the guy behind him, and that's a better matchup. Here again, somebody disagrees. That's, that's the beauty of this game. Welcome to it. But that, that wasn't a tough call. The one two, though, and not do huh? right Was there a reason to not do it right away and wait till one two? Well, that's when, they, that's when the, the pitch got away.
2: I wish that guy was in the press conference. I really do. To ask him that, like that, what were you doing when you walked Trey Turner with two strikes? I Man. I'm not even kidding with what I'm about to say. Actually, just to protect myself from legal liability, maybe I should say I'm totally kidding. I'm completely 100% kidding when I say what I'm about to say. I don't. Is he well? Is he okay? Because that explanation didn't make me any more confident in in that he he's he's stable in making the decision that that he made today. For it's, real, man. What? Uh, what could, the, it's Can we give an him the man, person, woman, camera, TV test that our former president bragged so often about passing? Can we give him that and make sure that that it's all there? Because that that explanation was goofy, man. And it's one thing to be incompetent and to have a brain fart, but then to be so defiant about it, so defi- Is that really a question? Yeah, man. That's really a question. That's really because I've never seen never heard of, never considered, the thought never ran through my mind that I would intentionally walk somebody with two strikes. And then he says, do you know what the numbers are, how he does against left-handed pitching with two strikes? Tony, do you? Because I'm looking at the numbers right now, and this is courtesy of Joe Sheehan, who tweeted this out. Trey Turner, career versus left-handed pitching, after a one-and-two count, has a slash line of 258, 310, 390. Brent Sousa, Bennett Sousa, career versus right-handed batters, after a 1-2 count, have a slash line of 167, 286, 167 against. Tony Larusa traded that for Max Muncy, who against left-handed pitching has a slash line of 251, 365, 492, and Sousa, career against left-handed batters with no count, fresh at bat, a slash line against of 300, 389, and 367. It is inexplainable. It is unconscionable. And for you to go up there and act like we're the idiots for questioning why you would walk somebody with two strikes, man, I, up until, up until now, and again, I don't like the man, okay? I'll tell you that. But up until now, I thought White Sox fans were a little bit hard. Antonio LaRusso. Not that he hasn't made some moves where I'm like, what really? Okay. But but again, I can explain. I can go, oh, okay, I see the other side. The, if I'm Rick Hahn, because we know this wasn't his hire, I am I am kicking and screaming in Jerry Reinsdorf's office right now. Let me fire him. Did you see what he just did today? He's gonna cost us this thing. You got to let me fire him. He ain't right.
1: That's he the. He ain't right. That's the, the the real problem. Rami is he's actively losing you games. Like this yes. game was winnable, and you saw like what the difference in the game today was that Max Muncie home run because the Sox ended up scoring a couple more runs. They would four more runs. Excuse me. They would have had the lead at some point if not for that Max Muncie home run.
2: I can't wrap my head around it, man. There's absolutely. No explaining it. And I hey, I know the Tony La Russa apologists are out there. I know you're out there. And for for my sake, for my mental health, please, by all means, 312-644-6767. Give me a call. I'm serious. I welcome it. Or get get in the Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin text line, save time, shop online. At rosenhunday.com. I want somebody explain this to me and make it make sense better than Tony Larusa just did. What I I I can't <laughs> for the life of me understand that man. And I always try and see the other side, especially when it comes to baseball strategy and playing armchair manager. But man, there is no other side to this thing, is there? And is this the end of the line? for? T- I mean, but he's not going to be fired, right? They're, they're just not going to do it. I know Joe Madden got the pink slip. I know Joe Girardi got the pink slip. Tony La Russa should maybe be next when you look at the standings versus the expectations of the team that he's managing. And if there was ever a time to do it, if there was ever a time to do it, it's when you make a move like that. I saw people tweeting, the game has passed him by. Has there ever been a time in the game where this was good strategy? Has there ever been an era of baseball where you have two strikes on a guy and you give him the free pass where that made sense? Did you see Freddie Freeman's face, Adam?
1: Oh, yeah. He, 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 he was confused. He couldn't believe it. You could see him like I was trying to read his lips. He's like, with one, two? And then even Danny Mendick, he's talking to Danny Mendick, and they're like, what's going on? And Danny Mendick looks like he just shrugs. like, I don't know. I guess we're walking a guy. And here's the other part where it's like, hey, okay, you you see his numbers with two strikes, which, look, turns out actually aren't that good. But also, a texture brings up a good point. Like, did he just forget that when it's one and two, you can throw three balls out of the zone and hope hope he chases? Like, it's not, not that difficult. You can go if you want to do the old unintentional intentional walk there. He might chase, you know? It
2: does it's it defies all logic. It defies any and all baseball logic and 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 this for me this is the last straw.
3: This,
2: as, as far as de- I'm, done, I'm done defending Tony Lauricer saying Sox fans have been too hard. Up until now I've gone, "Man, have you seen the injuries he's dealing with? Look at look at the record." Guys like Tim Anderson have bought in and, and that whole culture clash thing that we thought was going to tear this locker room apart never never really materialized. But Adam hit the nail on the head. He's co- he's actively costing the White Sox games. And you, that's not even the game passing him by. That's Was he asleep? Did he wake up with the one-two count and remember he wanted to walk Trey Turner? What happened, man? What happened to make him think, that was a good idea. That guy, dude, that guy has credentials as long as anyone who's ever been in this game. How do you get it that wrong? That's why I said, jokingly, of course, to protect myself from any legal liability. Is he right? Is he stable? Is something wrong there? Because even the explanation was goofballs. I can't, man. Somebody help me. Somebody help me at least see the other side of this thing. Not even agree with it, but just see the other side of this thing and how there's some logic, any logic, to Tony La Russa walking Trey Turner with two strikes just to watch Max Mun- Max Muncy go 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 Gonzo. Did you? And by the way, speaking of, of reading lips, did you see him when he crossed home plate, Adam? <laughs> when oh he yeah. Said good about Tony
1: yeah, good for him. Oh yeah, good
2: for him. He had a few choice words that I can't repeat because thanks to the FCC. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. If you can make it make sense, or if you just gotta get it off your chest, what was Tony Larusa doing? What was he doing? And and other bad White Sox news today that we gotta discuss. I'm Robbie Makhlouf with you on 670 The Score on a Thursday night and back right after this.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? spend a here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: Two and two.
3: Left field.
2: Pollock is back at the track and the wall, and that's up and out of here. Max Muncy, lefty-lefty, smashes a three-run home
1: run. His fourth home run of the year. He's driven in five today. Right. We're back. Live with more Rami McLaugh on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station.
2: Call there on NBC Sports Chicago. I am Rami McLough with you. And, and legitimately, I'm not, I'm not going to fight with you. I'm not going to insult you. I'm not going to hang up on you. I legitimately need someone who agrees with the move by Tony La Russa today to either get on the phone or get on the text line and, and make it make sense to me. Not, not make me agree with it, but just make, let, help me see the other side and what Tony La Russa was thinking when he walked Trey Turner with a one and two count. Only to watch Max Muncy do what you just heard right there, confounding everybody involved. His own players, like Adam said in the last segment, if you saw the highlight of Freddie Freeman confused, Mendick is just as confused standing out there. Steve Stone and Jason Bonetti are confused. The guys on the Dodgers call are confused. I don't know that there was anybody watching that going, oh yeah, no, I see why he did that. That makes sense. And I just... I'm a guy who always, especially when it comes to armchair managerial decisions, I, I like to at least see the other side and go, oh, okay, that, I, that's not what I would have done, but all right, I need somebody to help me so I can sleep tonight. So I can sleep tonight. I need somebody to explain it to me because otherwise I, it's, it's going to be in the back of my mind and I'm legitimately worried about Tony Larusa." That's 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 all. Please, someone, three one two six four four six seven six seven is how you can get in. Dick and Montgomery dialed that. Now he's on the score. What's up, Dick?
1: Hey, Rami, how you
0: doing? Good. Good. So I got a theory for you. It might not help you sleep better tonight, but I have a thought. A couple days ago, Andrew Vaughn was on the Parkinsons Spiegel show, and he said that Tony LaRussa has probably forgotten more about the game than Andrew has learned. Over his entire career, I think Tony Larusa forgot that when he intentionally walked Trey Turner with two strikes, the two strikes didn't go to Max Muncy. It still <laughs> starts with O and O, Tony. So I've kind of figured out that the conclusion I've come to is that not only is Tony Larusa a
1: lightweight, but also an idiot.
2: So you think he thought that the that the two strikes were inherited by Max, Max Muncy? Okay, fair. Okay, if the, if that was the case maybe maybe that that's a better exclam-
1: explanation than the one we got from Tony honestly there, it is
2: because it sounds like it does sound like and if you you can play it again not the whole thing but it, it does sound like he that's what he thinks would happen when he talks about have you seen the numbers on the matchups between lefty righty and two strikes and this and that what he did what what he's skipping right over and and you know, when, when when smart people do this, they, they think everybody else is just stupid, and they're not going to realize how half-hearted your attempt at an explanation or a lie was. He, he's, he's neglecting the fact that the batter had two strikes on him, where the next batter, being Max Muncy, is going to get a fresh count. Max Muncy doesn't have two strikes on him, where Trey Turner does, that matters, again, Brett Bennett Sousa much better against left-handed batters or excuse me against right-handed batters with two strikes than he is against left-handed batters with a fresh count and listen list, can, can we play that again listen to Tony Larusa act like we're all just a bunch of idiots and don't understand what the situation is here sorry do we have that Adam I didn't mean to, my bad I'll read a couple of texts and then we'll get it he it does sound like he thinks that there, there was two strikes on Max Muncy after after the Trey Turner at-bat a lot of you venting, and I'm here for that on the text line three one two six four four six seven six seven. Tony has lost his GD mind completely, and to defend it is even more ridiculous. If that from the eight one five. If the White Sox are the worst team with less than two outs and run around third, and their inability to score runs, they're god awful. Yeah, that's that's another problem. Is is this offense right now? Just think, this is from the 312. There are two World Series winning managers readily available that could change the course of this ship. Three, if you count Ozzy. And speaking of Ozzie Guillen, he will be on the morning show tomorrow with Mully and Haw at 7.20. I I, I can't, I, I really, I need I need help, guys. I know Adam Studzinski needs help. We, if somebody can make this make sense, it would really give me some peace of mind. Because Tony La Russa, did not make it make sense. And I'm sorry, I know you were, you were you were getting a phone call there a second ago. Can we hear that Tony LaRusso explanation again? Because it really is one of those lies that makes me mad. Because it, he's lying to us like we're children. And he doesn't have to try that hard or put that much thought or effort into it. Because we're all just a bunch of idiots. Can I hear that one more time? Thank you.
0: Off uh, of inning, uh, you know, with the, the play in the field, but then Dylan, what we'll, we'll went into your thought process and, and leaving him in to, to try and finish off
4: that inning? I don't know. Maybe him striking out bets had something to do with it. I mean, it's what you uh, He strikes out bets, I'm going to take him out of the game. Come on, man. But his
1: pitch
4: kind of did get up high in that inning. I mean, yeah, they did. and uh, But it's also his runs, at his inning. And uh, – I mean, I, you know, there's some tough calls. That wasn't a tough call. I mean, you can't strike out bets there and think, boy, we got a better option in the bullpen. I mean, if you do, then
1: we disagree. Can you explain the, uh, the thought process on the intention of walk with... Um,
4: with t- t- Turner?
1: Turner.
4: one 2 So let me ask you a question. Is there, is there some question about whether that was a, a good move or not?
1: At, well, I guess at 1-2 is the question. At the
4: Do you know one. what he hits against left-hand pitching with one 0-1 oh, one or two strikes? you know what he hits? He does it well, do right? well, you know what Muncy hits with two strikes with against left-hand pitcher?
2: Uh, I mean, is that really a question? You can stop it right there. Muncy doesn't have two strikes, dude. Now I'm yelling at a recording. Of Tony LaRusso, Muncie doesn't have two strikes. What is he even talking about? Again, I'm kidding to protect myself from any legal liability. But is Tony LaRusso okay? You is just he reminded, all right? You just real, me. man. Do we do we need to give him the man, woman, person TV camera test to make sure everything's all right with Tony LaRusso?
1: You just reminded me. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Guardians of the Galaxy, but there's a scene when Rocket yes. gets so mad he's like, You got me kicking grass! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man!
2: I'm yelling at a recording!
1: Cause what I'm is yelling at an inanimate object!
2: <laughs> Max Muncie doesn't have two strikes, Trey Turner does.
1: That was definitely a misspeak. Like, I think he was trying to say Turner and he was like, that was clearly not what there's no way he actually thought Max Muncy had two strikes. Like that had to have been a misspeak.
2: Oh my God, man. Oh my God. And again, the defiance. It's one thing to be bad. It's another thing to be defiantly bad and defending your, how bad you are. That, that, that really gets under my skin. Like, um, you, know, um, you know those umpires who are bad at their job and then they're going to they're gonna get mad at you for pointing out that they're bad at their job? That's my, that's my least favorite kind of umpire. And there are really no umpires I actually like. That's my least favorite kind of umpire. And when managers and coaches pull this crap, man, where you clearly, clearly screwed it up and you're going to step up to the podium and be defiant and say things like that that you think is just going to go right over our head, like a bunch of five-year-olds are watching this game and watching you talk after the game. This, I get if if i I said this before. If I'm Khan, I'm in Jerry Reinsdorf's office right now. Like you have to let me fire this guy. This the window doesn't stay open forever, man. The White Sox got something here that could. Res- and if you don't you don't if you don't believe me that the that the window doesn't stay open forever, ask Cubs fans. All right, when we thought the window was so wide open and there were multiple World Series coming down the pipe. I don't know if you heard, but it didn't work out that way. The window doesn't stay open for that long. There's only so many years that you can contend. And already won down the drain last year, and Tony La Russa is flushing this thing, and it still stinks. You can't sit there and watch a guy be, be just negligent in his job. That, that, th- what happened tonight is inexcus- today is inexcusable by Tony La Russa. Jay in Cherville, you're on uh, 6-7 and score. What's up, Jay? Yeah, I was just going to say the only reason why he walked him was to get the lefty-lefty matchup. But one-two count, you could have just thrown three balls out of the zone and see if he swung. But the main thing here is our defense. It's been atrocious the entire season. Jake Berger has been atrocious at third the entire season. And people expect him to play second base. That's just crazy. Uh, somebody has to step up in the bullpen. Why is Bennett Souza even in the game there? You know, he's got an ERA about nine. He's a career minor leaguer. He stepped up early in the year, but what's he done since? You know, we're wasting we're wasting our guys in the bullpen like Graveman. You know, in those situations, we need a guy to come in and lock the door. I mean, Kyle Crick's another guy that could have stepped up, but I mean, what are we doing there with him? Sending him up and down with AAA. It's just, A? It's we got a long I mean, way to go, guys. We got a long there, way there to is, go. There is, a, there is a ways to go, but it, thanks for the call. You got even more to go when, when Tony LaRusse is pulling you backwards. And that, and that's that's what happened today. And it's not the first time that he's made a move that, that, that may or may not have cost them a baseball game. And in the past... I'd go, yeah, guys, I mean, I see where you're coming from, and I may even agree with you, but here's why he made that move. And this is a guy with a long track record of success. And look at the results. They have X number of wins. And look at the the, the, the culture in the clubhouse. That all seems to be good. I, I've defended Tony La Russa. Today, I'm done. Today, I'm done. After, the, after that decision and then that explanation and the defiance up there at the podium while making that explanation – I'm I'm done with this guy and I, I never liked him but I defended his, his 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 the work that he did the job that he did I can't I can't today anymore do that in good conscience I just can't I'm sorry all right we'll come back to the White Sox and and the other problem that that arose today coming up at eight o'clock but right after this I do want to talk some Bears with another week of off season training activities in the books Cam Ellis covers those Bears for six seven to score and he's going to join me Robbie McLaughlin next.
1: We got the ruling a little later on, what was that, Monday night, so I knew, we were kind of aware of it a little bit, that they were looking into it, but just didn't think anything of it, and then when we heard of it, we just kind of took it for what it was. So, really not much to it, lost the practice, and back at it today. We're back, live with more Rami McLough on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station.
2: That's Cole Komet, Bears tight end. After the Bears lost a practice for violating practice rules. Things apparently got too physical. I promise things will not get physical with my next guest who covers the Bears for 6-7 score and 6-7 to score.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Kingsley Ellis. It's Cam Ellis who joins me now on the show. Cam, how are you this evening, my man?
3: I'm doing good. How are you doing?
2: Good. What, what exactly uh, happened? What was it that led to the penalty of the Bears losing a practice at, at the behest of the Players Association?
3: Yeah, so I think it was just a matter of there was some physicality that um, you're not supposed to have at this point in the uh, at this point in the training program. You know, these things are pretty uh, uh, these things are pretty structured in terms of when you can wear shoulder pads and when you can wear helmets and when you can hit and when you can't. They sort of refigured this all out in the last you know half decade or so, and I think at this point in the OTAs. There's a certain level of physicality that you're not allowed to quite get to, and I think the Bears at one point um, probably sort of just crossed the line at some point. I don't, I don't know if it was a specific play one day or the other, but but I assume it was just some, you know, a hit or two in a practice session at some point that sort of uh, tripped the line, so to you
2: You know, when I first saw the headline and, and saw the tweets uh, of this, I thought, oh man, do we have because. I'm a big believer in 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 the new you know the more new age ways of coaching and practicing and maintaining these guys' bodies and not feeling a need to beat them up all off season long before they go and get beat up all season long. And my first thought was, do we have one of these like old school meathead coaches who felt the need to come in and set a tone with some physical practices and off season training activities? But the more I read about it and saw some of the quotes coming from there. It seems more to me, Cam, like this was some players, and and namely some some young players who were trying to make an impression and maybe going a little too fast and a little too hard for a, a voluntary off-season training activities.
3: Yeah, you know, I think the Bears are very happy to let the narrative be that they were just trying too hard in May, like that. I think everyone sort of realizes that. You know, you're exactly right, that it was probably just some guys not knowing exactly what protocol was for this type of camp. But, you know, the Bears are certainly not going to complain that they're getting canceled for hitting too hard like that. Chicago's going to eat that up, and they certainly have. So I think it's sort of a, you know, it's not the end of the world to lose an OTA, and I think that there there was a little bit of uh, a PR dance, so to speak, with it. But, yeah, I don't think it was... I don't think it was a big deal one way or the other. I think it was probably just some miscommunication that has turned into a story because it's, you know, late May, early June.
2: Yeah, the players didn't mind at all. I saw Cole Komet said he went and got in a round of golf. I think he said he shot in 84, which nice day for him, right? Day off practice and you go shoot yeah. in 84?
3: How many people get a day off in the middle of the week just out of nowhere? So I, I imagine they were sort of thrilled about it.
2: What What is uh, – and I, I know there's so many of them, but what what's the – and What's the major question that you're looking to get answered here, starting with OTA? I know nothing is going to get answered in OTAs, but starting here and moving into training camp in a few months, what's the biggest question on your mind when it comes to the Bears team camp? Oh, did we lose? I wasn't sure if we lost Cam or if I got disconnected, or did we lose Cam? Hello. Oh, okay, so we did lose cam. Again, I wasn't sure if I got disconnected or if Cam Ellis got disconnected, but that I don't know if everybody else had that same reaction. like I don't I don't want one of those coaches. We'll get Cam back in a second. I don't want one of those coaches who's gonna just pound his team into the ground. We got Cam Ellis back and and I was glad to at least hear that that's the story coming out of Bears camp, that that wasn't the case. It was some young guys just going a little bit too hard. Cam lost you there for a second. I was asking, what what's the biggest question that you're looking to get answered starting with these OTAs and then moving forward in training camp in a few months?
3: Too hard and had to stop to take a question to think about it. Um, <laughs> I, think it I, I, I think it is, for me at least, how the new front office um, – how they view players that they didn't bring in to the team, you know, like there's whether it's Jalen Johnson, whether it's Tevin Jenkins, whether it's Larry Borm. You know, I think that this is a really good, this is a good starting point in terms of evaluating what type of players those guys are. And I, I think, you know, you're not going to get any big takeaways like you said because of it's just you know it's OTAs. But but I do think you can sort of glean a bit into what the newer regime thinks of these guys and, uh, you know, whether they rate them entirely or, or or lower than the, you know, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy did. And so I think it's sort of figuring out what they have. And I think while there are no you know, definitive decisions being made right now, I think you can sort of read a small amount into the types of decisions that are being made out there just in, in the sense of how they're viewed now as versus, um, you know, last year or two years ago, whatever it may be.
2: One of the guys, and talking with Cam Ellis, he covers the Bears for 670 Score and 670 scorecom One of the guys you didn't mention there in terms of holdovers from the previous me- regime and and sort of trying to prove yourself to these guys and that you're worthy to stick around is, is the biggest and most important player on this team, and that's Justin Fields. I- I've seen a lot of speculation, and it's just that speculation because the Bears would never come out and say that this is a make-or-break year or prove-it year for Justin Fields to us, but there's plenty of speculation out there that if he has another year similar to last season, that the Bears and this new regime could wash their hands of it and go, hey, this isn't our guy. We're going to start fresh at the quarterback position. Do you think there's any chance of that, or do you think there's at least a a two-year grace period here where they try and find out what they have in Justin Fields?
3: Yeah, I think there's a bit more than this season. Um, I certainly understand it because you 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 don't have the luxury of time when you're running an NFL team, and in certain windows, you know a year is crucial in terms of you know even contracts. So I understand the need for some speed in the sense of figuring out what they have in him. But I think there's more than a year. You know, he I, 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 even if they're not probably going to be very good this year, and and I think that even if Justin Fields progresses individually they're still not going to be very good and I think that will probably affect Justin Fields play at some point you know at some level even if he plays better so I think this is a crucial year because obviously you know when you have a five-year contract every year in terms of how you get better in the offseason is important and I think that there is a an ounce less you know, trust not I don't want to say trust, but there's there's less reasoning to hold on to him for this regime than there was for the last one, typically because they did they did they inherited him. So I think there's maybe a little bit of a harsher eye on it, but I don't expect it to be a make or break season. You know, I, I think they know what they have in him. You know, I don't think they would have you know, I don't think Ryan Poles would have come to the Bears if he wasn't at least somewhat optimistic that Justin Fields was the guy. So I, I think that there may be some scrutiny because that's just how it works when you're the quarterback, but I don't expect it to be like a single-year thing. I think he's got a couple, two, three, if not more years left in him.
2: How are you, not not the Bears, but how are you grading Justin Fields this year after after this offseason and the help or the lack thereof that, that that they got him in terms of the protection? and the weapons that they put around him. Because I'm legitimately concerned, Cam, that the Bears are going to do what they've been doing my whole life, which is break quarterbacks. And, and Justin Fields is just <laughs> going to be the next one that they break. They, they didn't go out and get him a true number one wide receiver. There are questions about this offensive line, which I want to get into with you in a second. And I just don't know how you expect a guy to progress and make huge steps when, when you don't put the, the pieces around him for, for him to succeed.
3: Yeah, no, I think that I think there's that's a, certainly a fair way to think about it. You know, I think that's sort of the Justin Fields conversation has been sort of muddied into one narrative. When when I think it's it can it can be both things, right? Like uh, Justin Fields can get much better and progress because. That's just what good quarterbacks do. That's what good anyone at any position in football can do in an off season between seasons. While also recognizing that it, the Bears are making it tough for him right now. Like there is there is a middle ground there where both can still be true, and I think that's sort of where the Bears are. In that, yeah, I think if Justin Fields just naturally gets better, that Darnell Mooney's going to have a good year, and Byron Pringle's going to have some good stats, and. Cole Komet maybe has the best year of his career. Like, that is what happens when quarterbacks progress significantly. And I think Justin Fields has all the capability to do so. But also, yeah, I I don't think they're going to rip it up this season. I don't think they're going to be a top five, top 10 offense. And that is because they're not really putting anything around him that's reliable. So, uh you know i think it's 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 hard to look. i think if you i think fans are doing themselves a disservice if they look at this season and go oh justin fields can't progress this year because you know Byron Pringle's wide receiver number 2 yeah, i i think there's still hope to watch justin fields get much better while realizing that this season is probably going to be purely developmental for you know 15 out of the 17 weeks or whatever
2: do you think depending how it looks obviously but do you think it would be unfair if justin fields has a less than impressive season statistically and, and we can look at it and go, well, yeah, it's because he didn't have X, Y's. It, is, it is doing it preemptively, you're right, maybe unfair. But after the fact, if we can look at it and go, well, he might have been better if he had a wide receiver. He might have been better if he had some more protection in front of him. Do, do you think that that's a fair assessment once all is said and done? Or do you think – that this is on Justin Fields and, and he's gotta do what great quarterbacks do and that's raise up the level of the play of the guys around him regardless of if they're if they're marquee players
3: or not. Um I think it is first and foremost the latter where you go, yeah, you know, if Justin Fields is the guy, then he's gonna play like the guy and and typically when you get that type of production, the, the, the talent around you you know, is lifted up, is ascended. So I think mostly that, but I don't think that it would be unfair I don't think it's unfair to look at Justin Fields and say that he's going to be handicapped a little bit. Excuse me, he's going to get decapped a little bit by, by the talent around him because I think that's sort of a fit. It kind of sounds like a hedge, but I, I think it's a fair hedge, if that makes sense. Like it is, it is going to be tough for him, and I think that he's very capable of proving that he can play better than he did last year with the guys he has on his team. But yeah, I think if you if he has another year like he did last year, and there just doesn't seem to be any improvement, I think. There's a fair conversation to have about exactly how ascended his talent can be versus the players around him.
2: Do you think the starting five offensive line is is in camp right now, or do you think there's still some movement to be made there?
3: I'll go ahead and say I think there's some movement. I, I don't. It doesn't seem like the Bears really. Uh, you know, I, I, who can really blame them? Love what they have right now, um, and I think that there are. The, there's some help out there like the, the, there are some guys out there that can come in and probably you know go, come in and, and be better than Braxton Jones or, or Sam Mustafer or whoever it is so I, I think it's mostly there I don't think it's just some reclamation project that's going to happen in late August where they bring in two or three guys and it looks totally different but I, it wouldn't surprise me if there's another veteran or that comes in because they, it does not seem, from the from the positioning and the posturing that the Bears are doing right now in terms of who's playing where and where they're playing on the line, it doesn't seem like they have a super great idea of what they have yet.
2: One more just real quick one for you, Cam. If there is one area where I can see a quick turnaround for this team, it's on defense because I think there is some talent there, and also that's Matt Iberflus' That that's that's his area of expertise, and his teams are always top ten in turnovers. How much is a realistic improvement to expect from the defense? Can it be a complete
3: turnaround, or do you think that's going to be baby steps as well? I, I think they could be a sneaky good defense. I don't know if it's going to touch you know the 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 height of the last regime of defense, so to speak. And I think that there are some. You know, the secondary could be really good, but we don't know right now. You know, and if, if everything goes the right way, they could have an elite secondary. And, and the guys they have there are – or if they're put in good positions, they could be very good. Um, you see – I think you see the potential on defense a little more right now than you do in offense. You know, offense, you're sort of bending over backwards to say, oh, if this goes well, if this goes well. You know, Cole Komet all of a sudden breaks out. Byron Pringle's actually good. You know, David Montgomery, like, goes off. Yeah, I, those seem a little more wishful thinking than assuming that, you know, the defense can't get back to a level, like you said, with Matty Ripple who's coaching them, that that is capable. I, I I would expect the defense to have a better year than the offense did from right now.
2: That's Cam Ellis covering the Bears for 670 to Score. Check out his work at 670thescore.com. Follow him on Twitter at Kingsley Ellis, and my guest for the last few minutes here. And Cam, always appreciate the time and the insight, man. Thank you so much.
3: Of course, thanks for having me. Talk to you
2: later. Cam Ellis joins me on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. In addition to Tony La Russa apparently losing his mind, there was more bad news in White Sox land today. We'll discuss that right after this. Rami Makloff with you on a Thursday night, right here on Sports Radio 670, The Score.